Summer Breakfast on SEN. Well, the Sydney to Hobart Yacht Race is an event of international interest, Scoob. It's had finishes determined by seconds. It's had tragedy. It's had staggering race records. But rest assured, it's not for the faint-hearted, whether you're finishing in 34 hours or five days. Now, our next guest has done a stack of pilgrimages down the coast. The Brownlow medalist, Jared Healy, has taken time out from his holidays to join us. Too kind, Jared. Sam, great to have a chat to you and uh, been good listening uh, with you and Simon over the journey. So great to be on. Oh, it's, an, it's a sad day in here because Simon is leaving us, but it's been good while it lasted, Scoob. Good while it lasted. Jared, where did the passion for sailing yes. come from? I know you've always been a surfer, but where, where did yep. the sailing passion come from? Uh, I'm not sure, Simon. I uh, I grew up just infatuated watching the Sydney to Hobart starts every day, every uh, Boxing Day on the TV. And uh was one of those things that I said to myself as probably a 10-year-old or a 15-year-old, a bit like surfing when I was gazing out at 13 feet all those years ago. I'd love to do that. And I was uh, given an opportunity in the 90s uh, to do it. And uh, it was actually... Not sure what was in it. There's no, there's certainly uh, no history of sailing in our family. It was just one of those things. So, Jared, I think your first I hope it rings true to you was 1999, which look would be daunting going into one anyway, I'd imagine. But this was the year after the the tragedy, the 1998 tragedy, was where all sorts of things went wrong and people lost their lives. So, with what sort of trepidation did you enter? Oh, a fair bit of trepidation. I mean, it's it's uh, it is daunting and. I, I guess the fact that uh, that had happened the year before made me a little bit more wary, but uh, it was just such a, an ambition of mine. I uh, I was going to go for it no matter what happened. And uh, listening to the stories about that day from guys that were on our boat who'd done significant Hobarts previous to that was uh, on the way down. It was, it was quite extraordinary. Like, to put it into perspective, our, our Boat, uh, the biggest boat that we ended up sailing on. Our, our original boat was 63 feet, and they cut it in half and put 30 feet in the middle and, and turned it into a 90-footer. But uh, the mast got underneath Sydney Hobart by about 8 feet. Uh, sorry, the, the mast got under the Sydney Harbour Bridge by about 8 feet. Wow. And uh, so it's a pretty significant piece of, mach- of uh, infrastructure. So yeah, you're, you're doing it on the super maxis, aren't you? You're not doing it on the old ten meter, the old ten meter boats. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm not sure that would uh, be as exciting. But uh, <laughs> gee, you just you just uh, have great admiration for those guys as you steam out of the heads, uh, knowing that they're about four days behind you. But when we were travelling down, we we were uh, in pre- my first one was in fairly calm seas. We had uh, a trailing wind and we put the spinnaker up as uh, we turned right out of the heads and uh, and we just cruised down. But uh, on the way down, the stories were told that uh, they were losing the mast, so a hundred meters behind one of their you know their competitor boats, and uh, they couldn't see the mast. Such was the height of the swells. I mean, there was just you know fifty foot swells out there, and it was just quite extraordinary that. Uh, these guys were dealing with it. Uh, they ended up uh, on their boat pulling into Eden after after doing some damage, but uh, they went through some of the worst of it. So I don't think that race would ever start again if they had the same sort of uh, weather conditions. Uh, they took a took a probably a bit of a punt. Uh, they had a bombing low coming off uh, New South Wales and probably should never have started, as uh, as I keep getting told by by the experts. But uh, that was an extraordinary one off, Jared. Couple of days to get down there, or, or sometimes you know less on the big ones. Like, yeah. 
what's the routine? Is everyone just up for that whole period of time or are you rostered on and off to do certain jobs? Yeah, it's uh, it's very, very structured. It's usually three on, three off. Uh, we're three in waiting, so you're three on, six off. Or it's uh, four, four and four, depending uh, on what time of night. But but that's through the night. Most of the time through the day, all hands on deck. So if you're not uh, doing anything, you're sitting on the rail, creating a little bit more uh, mm. ballast to uh, to make you go 0.01% faster, which is, is interesting in its own right. But um, jobs are, are dedicated. Uh, so I was basically just a general. I started off, off as a grinder. Uh, so you don't need too much skill to be able to grind, which uh, suited me perfectly. <laughs> but then uh, as grinders became electrified when we got the Super Maxi, I just became a labourer. So carting 250 sails from one end of the boat from down below to the to the front to the front of the boat. And it, it took two or three or four guys to be able to do that. And uh, so everybody used to dig in and, and help when jobs were uh, needed to be done. In fact, there was... There was uh, one period of time where we were pretty close to, to winning. We were coming second and third, and uh, I was asked by Grant Warrington, you know, what what were the little things I'd do if I was going to advise him on how to win this thing? And I said, well, for me, Warro, we've got a problem. I mean, most of the crew are your mates from Mornington and guys that just uh, are doing it because they just want to love to do it. But you've got a few guys that are employed, and um, we ended up nicknaming them the Sydney Trimmers. These are the young professional guys who were sitting on the side of the boat trimming sails and if uh, some job had to be done slopping out the floor or uh, carting a sail they basically turned their nose up at uh, up at it and said no I'm uh, I'm paid to trim and that's what I do and uh, they got sacked that year and uh, the following year we ended up having a much better result because everybody was in for the team and everybody was uh, doing anything that they needed to do and it's amazing the little things that change because of that one particular decision by the skipper. Jared, uh, you mentioned the swell like is there an obvious scary moment if that's not it has there been some real hairy moments out there where you thought what have I done? Uh, for me personally there has been I was one time the second time we went down it was the complete opposite it was uh it was a pretty fast trip down. We were going maximum velocity, probably 25 knots, and uh, the boat was keeled right over. It was really super scary. One guy who was a, uh, one guy who was an around the world racer. He was he had the boat just lit up like you wouldn't believe. So, yeah, surfing those swells down, and then we got hit by this southwesterly change that came in at about. Oh, it was probably at its worst, 50 to 60 knots on the nose which is you know 120 whatever it is uh miles an hour and there were roofs getting blown off uh off houses in tasmania and we were steaming toward tasman island and it was total whiteout so we didn't i, I couldn't see where we were going and i was looking into the eyes of these professional sailors and i'm thinking oh these guys are a bit nervous so i better get really nervous and um thing <laughs> and uh we had uh we had our sail it um, we had to pull it down. It was we had too much power up, and we should have uh, we should have put a reef in the in the sail. But uh, the the mainsail came out, so we had to uh, we had to change the mainsail and put basically a storm jib up. Such were the conditions. Yes. And uh, this young guy Casey Jones, he he was hoisted up the mast, and um, he grabbed some spectra and tied up the storm style at the you know halfway up the main up the 
up the mast and uh, there was a debate going on as to whether this sail would hold or not, whether the whether the fixing was strong enough before we sheeted on and uh, headed back into the wind. Now, what made that really difficult and uh, concerning was that our very early stage GPS showed that we were already 200 metres on land as we headed towards Tasman Island. We were so close to this uh, oh. to, to land, we, we didn't actually know. And so there was this real concern. There were guys shouting, you know, turn the motor on. No, it'll hold. Let's go. We're, we're running second or you know, possibly even first. We didn't quite know at that stage. So there was a lot of stake. So once you turn the motor on, uh, you're out of the race, obviously. So there was this big debate. Anyway, they, they decided that we'd cheat on and put some power into the sail. And fortunately, we, uh, the, the, the fixing held. But as we basically uh, jibed and uh, put some wind into the sail and, uh, and powered off, the, the, the clouds cleared and we were, I reckon, about 300 metres away from ramming into Tasman Island. So I could then see why the, uh, the fear in the eyes of the experienced sailors were there. It was, it was quite a, a radical uh, radical to uh, probably three or four hours. And as we went around Tasman Island, we got back into the full exposure to the Southern Ocean and um, we hit this fairly significant swell. And the uh, I was down below at that stage in rest mode and I was sitting next to the, or sleeping next to the guy who built the, the yacht. And uh, we went over this swell and this, you know when you go up in the air and then your, your stomach empties out and you're, and you're <laughs> coming down and you're just waiting for the crash. Oh, no. When the, when the hull hits the water. Well, we hit the water and there was this God almighty crack. And I thought to myself, oh, that didn't sound great. And then I looked at uh, the guy who built the, the boat and he jumped out of bed like you wouldn't believe it. Uh, there was a crack. And fortunately, it was the, uh, it was the deck that cracked. It wasn't the, the hull. So right. um, Now, there's, pl- there's plenty of scary moments. We got run over by us. A twister once, which uh, was, I started in 10 and finished 8, and one of the ones I didn't finish was this twister. Just ripped the uh, the mainsail straight out of its shooting, so we, we were only halfway down. So Jeez, we, uh, we, had, uh, we had... Uh, it's, it's actually quite... We hit a sunfish, actually, another time. Where you're, just, oh. you're just cruising down there doing you know, 15, 18 knots, whatever it is, and then all of a sudden, just this back and you think well, what the hell is that now there's the odd container ship out there which is the great fear of all sailors but um we hit this big sunfish i've heard of sunfish before i started doing those Sydney to hobarts but they're these massive round big big discs that uh can do all sorts of damage and uh, it knocked our front keel off which you know these boats have the main keel and then they have this uh, other appendage that sticks out at the front to stop the, the boat going sideways as you go forwards or yawling. And uh, so that went off. And effectively, that was the end of our race from a winning perspective. We were in first or second at that stage. And uh, we uh, we ended up coming in a, a lame 20th or something. But at least we finished. Are you sa- are you settling up this year? I'd love to be. I mean, I really do miss it. Uh, but no, I'm uh, I'm off the circuit these days. I haven't done one for about uh, six or seven years. I know Grant Warrington, he missed a couple, but uh, he he's got a new boat, uh, another hundred footer, along with a few of his mates, and uh, they're settling up. So you know, they're and uh, I I always follow it. I get on the website and follow it through the night. Jeez, Jared, I, 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 I remember uh, I remember the the late Patrick Smith used to always. Uh, 
bag, and I was a great fan of Patrick's, but he had no appreciation for the Sydney to Harbour. Said it was a rich man's sport. Well, there's about one rich man for every thousand bloke who's just out there having a crack. It's uh, it's a fantastic time, and uh, it's I've got full of admiration for all the sailors. You know, likewise. I could talk to you about it for ages, to be honest. It's uh, it's incredible no, to, to get it done. I mean, I get seasick in the bay, uh, let alone getting out there. <laughs> <laughs> let alone getting out there. Unbelievable. Jared. hey, great to talk to you about all things Sydney to Hobart, mate. And uh, are the holidays treating you well? I mean, what are you getting up to? Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to get fit again. I'm doing a nice. little bit of surfing, although uh, there hasn't been much. You're better off out of the pool at this stage. Uh, there's been all these shocking southeasterly winds. Good for sailing, but not much good for surfing. But, yeah. Uh, and doing plenty of chores that are on the list. Well, mate, uh, have a great Christmas. Really appreciate you taking time out of it all to, to, to join us, talk all things Sydney to Hobart. And uh, we'll see you in the new year back on Sports Day, of course. Merry Christmas, everyone. There you go, Jared Healy Thanks, there. Jared. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's some there's some tactic. Oh, if we had more time, the dirty tactics at play as well. There's been some great old stories down the years of, uh, of various tactics yeah, employed by some boats. Yeah, that's super scary, isn't it? Some of that stuff. What the about, swell. What about the GPS system saying, yeah. "Oh, you're already 300 meters on land. Yes. About to smash <laughs> into Tasman Island. Complete whiteout. Oh. Yeah. Uh, no, Josh Jenkins today, but we can get to this man. We warn him.